Hi, everyone. Welcome to a special bonus episode of Hound Opinions. I'm your host, Bill Mayeroff. Today's going to be a little different. I don't have a guest. Instead, I'll take a few dog-related questions you all sent in and attempt to answer them. I'll probably do more of these question shows occasionally, so if you have a question you'd like answered, email it to bigwags at bigwagschicago.com or use any of my social media channels to get in touch. Before we get started, though, a bit of non-dog business. As you're probably aware, this episode comes out on the holiday we in the U.S. call Thanksgiving. Additionally, November is National Native American Heritage Month. In an effort to address and acknowledge the legacy of settler colonialism, that is, the practice of encouraging white people to colonize and settle Native American territories that we live with every day but is especially prominent, though regularly ignored, today, please take a moment to listen to a land acknowledgement I've prepared with help from the Chicago American Indian Community Collaborative, as well as my friends at the Babes with Blades Theater Company. Big Wags Chicago operates in the Chicagoland area, and Hound Opinions is recorded in the city of Chicago. Chicago is located on the traditional homelands of the Council of the Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Odawa, and Potawatomi Nations. Other tribes, such as the Miami, Ho-Chunk, Menominee, Sac, and Fox, also called this area home. Today, one of the largest urban Native American communities in the United States resides in Chicago, and members of this community continue to contribute to the life of this city and to celebrate their heritage, practice traditions, and care for the land and waterways. As you are listening to this podcast as part of your internet experience, please also take a moment to consider the legacy of colonialism embedded within technologies, structures, and ways of thinking we use every day. We are using equipment and high-speed internet not available in many indigenous communities. Please join Big Wag Chicago in acknowledging all of this, as well as our shared responsibility to make good of this time and for each of us to consider our roles in reconciliation, decolonization, and allyship. All right, thanks for tuning in, and let's get to your questions. All right, so our first question comes from Rochelle. She asks, what can I do to help my dog who is terrified of thunder and other loud noises? All right, so if you have a dog, you know this is a pretty common thing. Thunder and loud noises can be pretty scary for dogs. If a dog isn't socialized to loud noises early on in life, it can actually result in fear down the road. But that's okay. There are a few things that can be done to help out. The first thing is management. If your dog is scared of thunder during a thunderstorm, do everything in your power to dull the noise. Close your windows, put on some sort of sound to dull the noise of thunder, an air conditioner, ambient noise, or the TV, maybe some soothing classical music. You also can't forget to close your blinds or drapes, because the lightning that accompanies thunder can also be jarring for a dog, so keeping them from seeing it could really help with the fear. It might also be worth it to set up a quiet place for your dog to hang out that's away from windows in the center of your house. Bathrooms are actually great for this. You want your dog to have a place they feel safe. Giving them things to do as the storm goes on is also helpful. Frozen Kongs with peanut butter or cream cheese or whatever food your dog really loves are great for this. You'll need a high-value treat to keep their attention enough to distract them from the thunder. And by freezing it, you make it so the treat lasts longer. You can also play with your dog inside the house. Tug, fetch, find it, whatever fun little games your dog enjoys can help keep their mind off of the storm. And finally, if your dog is really having trouble settling, consider asking your vet for some anti-anxiety medicine to help them get through it. And no matter what, don't force your dog to go out into the storm if they're not willing. 
Yes, it might mean an accident in the house, so you want to set up some potty pads or put the dog in a place where it's easier to clean up. But forcing them to go out in a storm could actually make the fear worse. And if they go out willingly but hear the scary noise and then decide they want to go back in, let them. It will decrease the stress for them if you allow them the autonomy to decide to get themselves away from the scary noise. All right, so that's management, but of course, management only helps in the moment. So let's talk a bit now about how to help your dog actually learn to feel a bit better about the loud noises. Now, one of the best tools you have to help your pup get used to sounds is the internet, specifically YouTube. You can use the internet to expose your pup to scary sounds in a very controlled way. You want to start by pointing your favorite browser to YouTube and searching for the sound your dog is nervous about. If it's thunder, search for something like thunderstorm sounds. If it's garbage trucks, search for something like garbage truck sounds. When you do, you'll find videos of these sounds that last for hours, and that is exactly what you want. Now, once you find the video you're after, you're ready to go. Play the video on your laptop, tablet, smart speaker, whatever, but start it at a very low volume. Right? That is really the key here. Like I said, the idea is to let your pup experience the scary sound in a controlled way. What you're trying to do is turn the scary sound into just background noise. So start super quiet. Occasionally, just reward your dog for existing with the scary sound in the background. Right? I know I've said it a couple of times now, but going slowly is super important here. Start for just a few minutes at a time here and there throughout the day and slowly increase the amount of time you play the sounds. But as you're doing this, stick with a low volume. As your dog gets better at existing with the scary sound in the background, you gradually, and I do mean gradually, increase the volume. All right, this is not a one-day process. You are looking to gradually increase the exposure to the scary sound over time in a very controlled, slow way. Final note. If your dog is barking at scary noises, it won't help to yell at them or scold them. In fact, you never want to scold your dog for doing something that makes them feel slightly safer. Comfort and redirect them instead. There's an idea among more old school trainers that if you comfort your dog when they're scared, you'll reinforce the fear. That idea is crap. You can't reinforce fear. And while comforting your dog when they're scared won't treat the underlying fear of scary noises, it will make them feel better in the moment, and sometimes that's all you can hope for. Okay, on to our next question. Okay, so uh, this next question is a bit heavy. Um, in fact, I should probably give a trigger warning. Uh, this question deals with pet death, so if you're listening with kids or if that topic is going to be too upsetting to you, um, I totally get it, and you probably want to skip this part. Um, so what I'll do is I'm going to give you a quick countdown before I start into it so you have time to either turn the podcast off or hit fast forward. Um, ready? Okay. Three, two, one. Here goes. All right. Um, hopefully you are ready for this um, because, like I said, it is a bit heavy. Uh, this next question comes from Dana. Her dog passed away unexpectedly recently, uh, and she asks, how will I know when I'm ready to adopt a new dog after my doggy best friend of seven years passed away? Um, first of all, Dana, I am so sorry 
uh, for your, for your loss. It's it's hard when you know a treasured family member passes away. Um, I've been through it. It's terrible. It's awful. It sucks. Um, now the short answer to your question is that I don't really know, uh, but that isn't really helpful. Uh, so I'm going to start by telling you a story. And um, so when I was a kid, my family had a dog named Jenny. We adopted her when I was seven, and she died when I was 20. Uh, so she and I grew up together, and when she died, it, it just ripped my guts out. Uh, I was an absolute wreck. I cried more when Jenny died than I have when any human relative died. Um, it was just, it was the absolute worst. Um, so not long after Jenny died, my parents and sister were already ready to bring a new dog into the house, um, and I definitely was not. Um, I let them know in no uncertain terms that I was not okay with this. Um, so a couple weeks after Jenny died, I went on a camping trip in Utah. Uh, the day before I came back, I called my parents to arrange for them to pick me up at the airport. And um, as we talked, they told me that a couple days after I was getting back, uh, they were adopting a dog. I, I absolutely went off. Um, I said the types of things to them that you only say to people you really hate. And in that moment, I meant all of it. But the decision was made, and while they told me they'd taken my thoughts into consideration, ultimately, because I was in college and not home nine months out of the year, my vote really counted for less. Um, so anyway, the day comes that my parents bring the dog home. Uh, they and my sister are in the backyard fawning over her, and I was just at the top of the stairs. I was determined to be surly and have nothing to do with this dog, this, this interloper who was trying to replace Jenny. And of course, despite my parents and sister lavishing all the attention on her, she comes up the stairs to me and plops her head into my lap, and before I can stop myself, I'm petting her. And I kid you not, my first words to her were, you little bitch, what have you done to me? So even though on a conscious level, I felt like I wasn't ready to accept another dog into my heart, you know, clearly subconsciously at that moment, I was. And that's kind of the point of this story. Uh, you, you just know when you're ready. It's a feeling you get. It's accepting the fact that loving and welcoming a new dog doesn't mean you're forgetting or replacing the one who died or that you love them any less. Um, I don't know much about grief, but I do know that it's it's different for everyone. Um, everyone has to go through their own process of grieving and handling the loss. Uh, there's not a set timeline for it. You might just wake up one morning and think, hey, I'm ready to adopt another dog, or the idea might slowly creep into your head and you'll ignore it and ignore it until you just can't and you have to accept that you're ready. Or it might go a completely different way. And none of those are right, wrong, better or worse. Um, you know yourself. You know how you feel. If, if you're ready, you'll know it. Um, I can't say how you'll know it, but you'll know it. Again, I don't know much about grief and loss and all that, but I know that when it comes to dogs, the human heart has an almost unlimited amount of love for them. So when you allow yourself to love another dog, it doesn't reduce the amount of love you're able to give the dog that passed away. Um, there's always more love for more dogs. And as much as I'm saying you'll know when you're ready, you'll also know if you're not ready. And that's also okay. Not being ready is fine. And you can't force yourself to be ready. You can't will yourself to it. 
the bottom line is that while I can't say how you'll know you're ready to open your heart and your home to another another dog, I can promise you that you will know. You may not like the fact that you know you're ready to bring another dog into your life at first. That feeling might make you feel guilty, like you're betraying the dog that passed away. But again, I promise you're not. Uh, the beautiful thing about dogs is that when they are lucky enough to have families that love them, they want all other dogs to have that same feeling. So opening your heart and your home to another dog is actually honoring the memory of the dog that passed away. Um, I hope this helps. I really do. Um, and again, I'm, I'm so sorry, Dana. I really am. Um, but just trust that you will know yourself and that you will make the right decision. Um, all right, on to our last question. Okay, uh, so this last question is um, kind of an amalgam of similar questions that I get uh, pretty regularly. Um, you know, clients have asked me about this over the years, um, both training clients and walking clients. Um, so so final question, we're, we're going to talk about dogs being off-leash. Um, I get asked a lot about teaching dogs the skills they need to be off-leash. Um, you know, and I get the desire for that. Um, giving your dog space to run freely is, is really awesome, and dogs love it. Um, that said, the first thing I always talk about is that dogs are still dogs, and like people, they're not perfect. Uh, so if you want to have your dog off-leash, you absolutely must be safe about it. Now, also, I work mostly in Chicago, so I also tell people that the city code requires that all dogs outside of um, law enforcement and rescue dogs uh, they, they need to be, be unleashed when they're outside, except when in their fenced yard or in the fenced yard of someone other than their guardian with consent or in a designated dog off-leash area. Um, that's mostly to, to cover my own butt, um, because I don't ever want someone saying I suggested they have their dog off-leash um, illegally. Uh, but that all said, if a dog is going to be off-leash in an uncontained space, they need to be prepared. Um... Remember that being outside is very exciting for a dog, so in order to remain safe off-leash, they need to be able to ignore all of that and return to their handler at a moment's notice. Uh, so probably the most important skill a dog needs is a nearly foolproof recall. Uh, you never know when a dog is going to take off running after something. And, and yes, even the most well-behaved dogs can do that uh, because they're dogs. Uh, and if they do, you want to be able to stop them in their tracks and, and come back to you. Um, I'm... I know I've told stories, you know, throughout uh, this podcast today. I'm going to tell another one. Um, so years ago, uh, my great aunt and uncle, um, they had a Rottweiler named Greta. And Greta was a, a fabulous dog. She was, she was sweet and loving and wonderful and, and just spectacularly well-trained. She was, she was one of the most well-trained dogs um, I've, I've ever come across. And um, one day... They were walking her off-leash um, along the bike trail along the river north of um, Chicago. It goes along uh, McCormick Boulevard. And um, they, had, they had walked her off-leash there before, plenty of times, and, and everything had been great. And, you know, they, they were confident that, you know, Greta could be off-leash and, and she, would be, she would be safe and, and all of that. Um, and... You know, that particular day, uh, something 
got Greta's attention and just seemingly out of nowhere, she started to run and she ran toward uh, McCormick Boulevard, you know, away from the bike path toward McCormick and McCormick, um, for those, you know, not really familiar, McCormick is a really busy street, um, along the river going, going north of Chicago. It's, it's a main kind of thoroughfare to get to, you know, get into the Northern suburbs. Um, it's, it's really busy. Um, and, and Greta took off running towards McCormick and, um, she, you know, she, she actually crossed McCormick. Um, she, she ran out across the street and, and, and luckily everything was fine. Um, she made it to the other side, uh, completely unscathed. And in fact, um, when, uh, my, my aunt and uncle were, were running after her, they, um, they, they actually got her to, to stay on the other side of McCormick and stay there until they could get across the street and, and collect her and get her back on leash. And, and so the story, um, has a happy ending. Um, but from then on, they didn't walk her off leash, um, because they, you know, they knew that, you know, despite all of her training and, and everything, it wasn't foolproof. And, and, you know, they knew that, you know, she's still just a dog and that sometimes dogs do things that, you know, that, that, you know, on, on, on instinct and, you know, wind up putting themselves in, in danger. And again, she was, she was very lucky that, that everything was fine. Um, and, you know, so, so I tell that story because, you know, I, I like to make the point that like, um, you know, that, that nothing is perfect and no dog is, is perfect. And even, even a dog that you think is going to be, um, you know, be safe in all situations. Um, it's still a dog. Um, so, you know, just kind of take that, take that as you will. Um, all right. So we talked about, um, the foolproof recall being an important skill, uh, for a dog to have, uh, but that's not the only one. Um, in order to be safe off leash, an owner also needs to be able to immediately get a dog's attention. Um, so skills like a watch me cue or something that gets the dog to immediately focus back on their handler is really, really important. Um, beyond that, a, a leave it cue to tell the dog to ignore something exciting is also really useful. And, and finally, a dog needs to have um, really great leash manners uh, to be off leash. Um, you know, they should be able to walk in a nice arm swing radius of their handler while ignoring most of the distractions out there. Um, and, and, and here's the thing. Um, all the skills I have talked about are things that can be taught, uh, but none of it is 100% certain. Uh, that's why I always suggest erring on the side of safety. And what's cool is that you can give your dog the off-leash experience while not actually letting them off-leash. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, just get yourself a long leash, uh, maybe 30 or even, even 50 feet. That allows your dog to run around an uncontained area and even get up a good head of steam while you're still able to hold on to them if needed. Um, if you want to take your dog on a simulated off-leash walk, you can do that with a long leash too. Uh, there's an exercise I teach a lot. It's called ghost walking. And in this exercise, one person holds the end of the leash and just acts as an anchor. You know, their job is simply to hold on to the dog. The other person is the handler. Uh, the handler's job, even though they're not holding the leash, is to keep the dog with them. You know, tell the dog you know, what to do and, and where to be. Um, and it simulates the feeling of walking off leash for the dog while still allowing the dog to be safe. Um, if you're interested, there are in fact a couple videos of ghost walking uh, on my website, 
bigwagschicago.com slash videos. Um, so the, the long and short of it is that no matter how well-trained a dog is, they're still dogs. Uh, and they're still capable of being momentarily enthralled by a squirrel or bird or rabbit and taking off after it. Uh, so be safe. If your dog can't be fully contained behind a fence, and, and I mean a real fence, not an invisible fence. I, I have thoughts on invisible fences uh, that I won't get into here, but maybe in a future episode. Um, anyway, if your dog can't be fully contained behind a fence, uh, use a leash. It's possible to give your dog the off-leash experience while still making sure uh, you can keep hold of them if you need. Um, but, you know, your dog's safety is not um, the only reason uh, to, to keep a dog on a leash. Um, you know, when a dog is out in the world, um, you know, there, there are other dogs in the world. Um, and you know, you can't, it's almost impossible to go through life, um, without coming across other dogs. And, you know, the problem is, even if your dog is, you know, a total social butterfly and, and loves all other dogs, um, you know, other dogs out there don't. Um, you know, people need to walk reactive dogs. They need to walk dogs uh, that have, you know, physical injuries. They need to have, have dogs that are young and just don't have um, the social skills uh, needed to, you know, to, to safely interact with, with other dogs. And the problem is um, leashes sort of change the power dynamic between dogs. Um, so just like humans, um, when dogs um, come, you know, come into contact with, with situations that uh, make them nervous or make them, you know, worried or stressed, uh, they have a fight or flight response. Um, again, it's, it's just like humans. Um, and the, the, the issue is that a dog on leash um, is very aware of the fact that they're attached to a leash and that they only have, you know, if it's if it's a normal leash, they only have, you know, six feet uh, to to work with, and um, and they are they're aware of the fact that you know if they're in a situation that that makes them nervous or, or stresses them out, that you know they can't they can't flight, um, which leaves them only with the you know the the other reflex, the the fight reflex to, um, you know, as a response when they're in a situation that stresses them out. Um, and so if an off-leash dog comes up to an on-leash dog, you know, approaches an on-leash dog, um, there is a, there's very much a power differential, um, between, um, between those two dogs. The on-leash dog has a lot less power than the off-leash dog because it can't get away. Um, and so that on-leash dog is going to be more likely to to default to, you know, barking, snapping, growling, lunging, all, all that stuff um, because there's this dog that has, you know, all this freedom because they're not on a leash, you know, approaching them. And even if even if the on-leash dog is is kind of a social butterfly too, and and you know generally enjoys other dogs, um, the dynamic is different enough when one dog is on leash and one dog is not that um, even you know even a well socialized dog, even a dog that's that's generally pretty good with other dogs, um, could wind up um, reacting and and you know reacting badly uh, to um, another dog as 
as uh, my boy Bodie kind of makes an appearance here. Um, you know, he just heard something at the door. Um, anyway, so, you know, my, my point is uh, the leash is not just uh, for your dog. It's for other dogs. It's to allow other dogs to feel comfortable and, and you know, to feel comfortable moving through the world, um, you know, and, and not feeling like, some random off-leash dog is going to come up to them and and just start bothering them when they don't when they don't want it, um, you know. So that's that's another reason you know I'm not a fan of of dogs being off-leash in in you know very public places or you know places other than um, you know fenced yards or you know you know dog park areas things like that. Um, you know, it, it's just it's to make everyone comfortable and and it's also to make people comfortable. You know, if your dog is off leash, it can, you know, kind of approach people. And yes, you can call your dog back and all and all of that. And I've, I've heard all those arguments. But like, again, sometimes your dog is just going to be be very distracted. And so, you know, and, and some people just don't want a random off leash dog approaching them. And, you know, by, by having your dog off leash, it makes it harder for some people to move through uh, the world. And, you know, that's just, it's not fair. Um, you know, you, keeping your dog on leash is, is, it's for your dog's safety and it is for the safety and comfort of everybody uh, and every, you know, other dog that your dog might come in contact with while, while out and about in the world. Um, you know, so I guess, I guess sort of the long and short of all of this is just use a leash. Um, please, you know, use a leash, um, unless, you know, your dog can be, uh, fully contained. That's really, that's really the gist of all of this. Um, I know I took a long time to get here, but that's really it. Keep your dog on a leash when they're, when they're out in the world. Um, it's, it's better for everyone. And there are ways of giving your dog the out, the off leash experience, um, without actually letting them off leash. Um, if you, you know, if, if, you really want to. Uh, so, you know, take advantage of those. And, you know, if, if you want to learn about things like, like ghost walking or, you know, or things like that, you know, talk to, you know, if, if you're in the Chicago area, talk to me. Um, I'm happy to, happy to teach it or, you know, talk to a trainer near you, wherever you're, wherever you're listening from. Um, you know, they, they will teach you about this stuff. And, um, but, you know, it, you, you owe it to everyone else to, to be safe and, you know, and to allow everyone else to feel safe around your dog. Um, so just use, use a leash. That's all I can say. Um, all right. Thank you for your questions, everyone. And thank you for tuning into this special bonus episode of, uh, Hound Opinions. Next episode is going to come out on December 9th. So definitely stay tuned for that. Uh, I will see you next time. Thanks so much for checking out Hound Opinions. I'm Bill Mayeroff, and I'm the owner and chief canine officer of Big Wags Chicago Dog Training and Dog Walking. You can find Big Wags Chicago on the web at bigwagschicago.com. I'm at bigwagschicago, all one word, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you have a dog question you'd like answered on a future episode, or if you just want to say hi, email bigwags at bigwagschicago.com. Thanks. Thanks.